Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential with capella university's game-changing flex path learning format you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is I Will Make You a Millionaire, another episode helping someone reach their goal of making millions. Jen Glantz is part of the millionaire mentor program I'm doing, which is trying to help four or five people get to a million dollars as quickly as possible using the techniques in Skip the Line. Jen has been doing really great. She's making idea lists every day. So important to make 10 ideas a day. It rewires your neurons. It transforms your brain. You become much more creative. You become much more abundant in ideas that can make you money. On today's episode, we look at other ways she could scale her experience, other things she could do. The key to making a million dollars, of course, is to not have one source of income, but to have multiple sources of income. And we start working on that with Jen. I haven't suggested to them. In fact, I specifically suggested do not monetize yet. Too quickly, people think, how do I make money off of this? The key is build something that people want Get people to want it and learn from the process because you might learn things about your product or your business or your idea that you didn't know before. And only then do you consider how to make money. Don't forget, Facebook and Google did not monetize their businesses for years after they started. In this particular episode, I pushed Jen on coming up with more creative ideas 
to how to scale her knowledge. And when I say push, it's not that hard because she's already building that idea muscle. She has tons of ideas. And it's such a big difference since the first episode. Here we go. But my kids went to Disney World the other day or a few weekends ago, and you couldn't pay me to go to Disney World. Like, I can't stand it. Yeah. Just the idea of it, I can't stand. But, but they opened, didn't they open the, the Star Wars? Oh, no, that was, that, that's in I don't the need LA to go on a Star Wars roller coaster to appreciate Star Wars, which is a. It might ruin it for you. Yeah. yeah. It's a good story. I don't need to go on a roller coaster to appreciate the story. So, uh, so how's it, how's it going, Jen? I got Things your notes that, yeah. and um, thank you for sending those. And I got your stuff about uh, the, the marketing for your business and the, your current services. Uh, can I ask you a couple of questions? For sure. First off, how did the 10 ideas a day go? So this was a great kick in the butt and I overdid it in the fact that I started doing it in every area of my life. So I did the lists you asked for, but then I started doing it unasked for other people. So I was on Facebook and I saw in a Facebook group, someone was like, if I opened a restaurant in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, what kind of restaurant should I open? So people were giving them ideas. And I said, you know what? I'm going to spend 10 minutes and give this person 10 ideas. So I wrote but that person. That's 10 a ideas. great idea, by the way. That's often how I generate my idea list is I see what questions people are asking. And then I write the list. And then that's also food for an article somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this person wrote back and they were so impressed. They were like, thanks for you put a lot of thought into this. Thank you. And yeah, then, people are always like blown away. Yeah. And then this weekend I was sitting with my husband, we were eating breakfast and I was like, let's do some lists. Let's make some list of businesses we could start together. So we spent two hours and we just made a bunch of lists. And, you know, I think once you start doing this as a daily practice, it becomes something you look forward to. And yeah. I found myself doing it multiple times a day just to organize things in my head. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do it three or four times a day. Like if stuff comes up, I'll do a list. And once I start, I have to do 10. And so yeah, that's, yeah. that's my rules. And so, um, uh, what were some of the things for the restaurant? Like what kind of restaurant should that person start? I started to think about what was missing in our area. So one of the things I thought about was it could be cool to do some sort of DIY pizza making restaurant because pizza is so big. Why not have people go and sit down and have an experience where people could DIY their own pizza? I thought about how this area is changing a lot. There's not a lot of lunch places. So I gave them the idea of like $10 or less, everything on the menu is $10 or less for lunch. I gave them an idea of almost like an Instagrammable type of restaurant where people can come for the photos, but stay for, you know, other types of food. And then an idea that I really liked is to support local local people who are making local food. So some sort of Williamsburg-only kind of restaurant where everything in the restaurant or market is sourced from Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I like all those. So uh, what kind of food, uh, other than the pizza, what kind of, is there any interesting foods that they should, could focus on? I gave them some ideas of sort of blending different types of food. So taking things that could be popular. So maybe doing some sort of Italian sushi kind of thing, you know, just throwing like out that. ideas of like, how do we blend? Like, cause that's what you always talk about is that idea sex. So how do we blend two different types of popular foods in the neighborhood? So I threw out some ideas like that. I also threw out, you know, they've opened up all these like really interesting cookie kind of spots around here. So I was thinking about, okay, dessert wise, what could be a viral type of dessert place? So I was brainstorming something around cupcakes 
cakes and infusing that with, you know, weird types of flavors. So I spent some time doing this just because I really wanted to, not because I cared if he chose my idea, but I really wanted to exercise my brain like that. And I felt like before I started doing these ideas, I sit by myself a lot. I think a lot, but I don't do anything about it. And this really felt like a release. Yeah, that's great because, and also it's okay to have not so good ideas. Like yeah. it's just an idealist. Yep. So, um, uh, so I like all the, I like all the lists that you made and sent me, uh, I'm taking a look at them now. And, uh, how's the business itself? Anything new happen in the business? The rise made for hire. Yeah. I felt like after we talked, I said to myself, okay, what are some really easy, simple experiments I could do that were, that didn't cost me a penny to do to see if things changed or to see if I could just have some fun. So I did a couple of really small experiments to test out some things. So one of the things I did was realize, okay, on the bridesmaid for hire Instagram account, that's I've, I've been able to increase that tremendously this year. And I have a link tree button on that page that gets more clicks than my website. And what I found interesting about that is the links on that link tree were, were so bad. They were taking them to so many different places. It was a bad experience. So I spent about three hours just brainstorming what could be the links for that link tree. I spent some time figuring out the whole experience and I saw a huge change in metrics. I saw that the views tripled on that link tree click thing. And I saw that the clicks also increased. So I saw a lot of traction just by sitting down and revamping that experience so that when you're on the Instagram page and you want to check out more about me, I have almost a bit of a curated experience now based on what I hope people want to do. I'm on the Linktree page for, so I see that your Instagram account, by the way, you have a lot of followers on Instagram. That's good. I started off with 3000 in January and I grew it all in the past couple of months organically. Organically, just by posting stuff and people share it with their friends and other people sign and anybody uh, going to a wedding or anybody having a wedding probably is a follower. Yeah. And also just by doing what Instagram likes and right now they like those real videos. So I spent time recording batches of these reels and every single day putting them out that I got millions of views on some of these reels and that organically helped me go from 3000 to 22,000 in just a couple of months. I don't know what the reels are. What is that? It's exactly like a TikTok video. So it's a short 15, 30 second fun video with music. Sometimes you're lip syncing. Sometimes you're, you know, showing different video clips. They're fun. They're catchy. And sometimes they give you a little bit of value, but they get people to come to your page to want to learn more. Oh, this is great. Yeah, you're getting 121,000 views on this one. This is great. 50,000 views, 85,000 views. Jay, we should start doing reels. You should start doing reels and they're super simple. I mean, one of them got 2 million and I film these and it takes me a minute to film them. And then the, you know, traction of them gets me to increase my following, gets me to increase people clicking this link tree. So that's when I sat down and realized I have to do something about that, that page. Cause I get more clicks on here than my website. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I wonder how many other people in the wedding business have this, the same kind of social media following that you do? I think a lot of people, that's their goal is because they feel like that's their number one marketing tool. So I think a lot of people try, but I think a lot of people are using social media wrong. I think that's like the number one thing. A lot of these people are using social media wrong and it's not working for them. Yeah. So in your businesses that you'd like to start, one decent idea is you could be a social media agency in the wedding business, in the wedding industry. 
Yeah. I like that idea because I think it goes into, I think a lot of wedding vendors are doing their marketing wrong. They're doing it old school. They think the only way to get clients is to advertise in the not, but there's a lot of ways, whether it's doing awesome PR or doing great Instagram that they're not doing. So I think something in the wedding consulting marketing world could be either a course or maybe another type of business idea. Yeah. Or I'm sure, you know, many wedding planners and stuff, you could, you could find someone and say, listen, you only have like 500 followers. This is a great place to not only get clients, but to convince clients who are on the fence to go with you as opposed to another wedding planner. Like it's a, it's a, it's social proof. If you have like 30,000 followers on Instagram and for the first one or two, you can even just do it for free and show them. And then those are great testimonials for you. And then you go out and you basically hit every wedding planner in the country and do a social media business for, for the, anybody in the wedding industry. Like it could be flowers, planners, whatever. Do you think it's better suited as a course or do you think it's better suited as me, the human, doing the consulting? I think if you don't do it as a human first, then the course won't be as good. But And, and by the way, doing it as a human can make a lot of money. So uh, it might not be... At first, you might not think, oh, I can't sell it because it's it's all me again. But as you get more and more clients, you have people servicing them and you have ongoing contracts to maintain their Instagram account, their TikTok account, their LinkedIn account, you know, their Facebook personal, you know, not personal page, but their Facebook page. So, you know, eventually you build equity by just having lots of contracts with recurring revenues. Yeah. And that's a legit business. And then you do a course because you're going to learn so much more when you're actually doing it. That that's why I say start off, do it manually for like one or two people just to kind of get the feel if you like it and, and what nuances are needed that you didn't realize. And then you do it. And then that could expand into a course that expand into a newsletter, whatever. Yeah. I think it's an awesome idea. I think for me to feel passionate about doing it, I would have to charge a lot of money because it's one of those things where I know I'm good at it. I know I'm really good at all of that, but I don't know if I really care to help these people, yeah, you know? Sure. That's so fine. I think it could be something that if I charged enough money, I would be happy to do it. What would be enough money? <sighs> you know, if I was going to structure it hourly, you know, I would want to charge at like a thousand dollars an hour. I'm just going to throw out a number like that, which is uncomfortable for me to even say, but a part of me knows that this is stuff that I've known I've, I've done for quite a while. I think I'm really good at. And in that hour of advice, I think that they could get, you know, let's say they book five new clients just from that hour's worth of advice. That thousand dollars is nothing for them to spend. Yeah, exactly. So let's say you have, a, you're doing a thousand dollars a month and, uh, or, you know, however long, you know, maybe they want more than that. And then you scale it by, you know, showing the social proof of how you're successful with other, not just wedding planners, but anybody in the wedding business. And you could also then hire people so you could scale. Yeah. So, and then you don't have to charge as much when you're hiring people. Like if you're paying somebody even 50 bucks an hour, which is a lot, and you charge 300 bucks an hour, you're making a good profit. Yeah. So, I like that. Mm -hmm. So that's just one thing to, to think about because you do you did so good boosting your own Instagram and you're talking about just in the past three or four months mm -hmm. that that's something that's really valuable. Like, you know, people pay a lot of money to, to drive up their Instagram followings because they want to be an influencer or they want to get clients or whatever. Yeah. So uh, that's, and you have this 
particular niche, which is the wedding industry. That's a huge industry. Um, it is. So, so uh, the other thing I was thinking of, you know, and this is, this is, uh, uh, well, actually let's keep looking at the, um, at the different wheels that you described. So, so you wrote these lists of ideas and um, you wrote courses, products, and then you have the wheel of like, you know, the spoken wheel approach where brides is like the, the, the wheel. And then here's the spokes, like services, books, products, courses, email. And then you have, here's another wheel, pro bridesmaids. Here's another wheel, bridal party. Um, oh, oh, another wheel, wedding thought leader, which I like. Uh, uh, and so, so all this is great. And you got that, that idea muscle flowing. So you see how, you know, once you start doing it, people are attracted to you. Like the restaurant person actually reaches out and contacts you and, you know, other people presumably will, will, will get in touch with you if you write ideas for them. So, uh, you know, here's the other thing too. You do PR for yourself. You've been featured, like you mentioned here, you've been featured in over 500 media outlets. Uh, what about, what about PR for people in the wedding industry? What about setting up a, a public relations industry? So that's, you know, something you could charge like 10 to 15,000 a month per client and uh, call up all the media outlets, you know, if somebody's got an interesting story. Yeah. You know, I've always, people have, in my life have always told me you're so good at getting PR. You're, you're everywhere all the time. I just don't know if I'd want to do it for somebody else because I don't think I would care enough about their product or their business to brainstorm and, and help them. You know, it's one of those skills that I don't have passion in helping other people. I have passion in gaming the system and strategizing for myself, you, you know? Well, this is one area where because you've done it so well for yourself, maybe you can make an online course for this. Like we know, we have several mutual friends that have done the how to get more PR uh, yep. style course, but not in a specific niche. You have a very specific niche. And, you know, I know we have one mutual friend specifically who releases one course a year, sells it for like, I don't know, $700 and sells, you know, 3000 of them and is making like a good living. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think I have the credibility easily with that. I've never thought about gearing it just for the wedding industry. And I think that could be super helpful because there's so many wedding publications that are always looking to feature people for free. I just don't think people know how to get themselves in the news in that way. Yeah. And like, like, so, so here's one idea for an idealist is what kind of articles would, would be good for a wedding planner. And I, I'm focusing on wedding planners, but there could be yeah. any part of the wedding industry, but like a wedding planner might have some client where they're doing their, their wedding underwater and boom, that's a story. And she has to plan this underwater wedding in the Maldives. And, you know, that's an odd story or, or I'm just, you know, yeah. thinking off the top of my head, but, or there's like the strangest stories from the 10 most popular wedding planners on the planet. And so you, you had a story of the person who was, you know, texting her boyfriend right before, you know, saying her <laughs> vows. Yep. So like everybody's got all these wedding planners got stories. So there's so many different types of stories you could pitch. And they just need their names in the media because that's, again, social proof and authority that, hey, when the media wants a story, they call me and yeah. it's great for their website so or their Instagram or whatever. Uh, so so that would that would help them. So the online course idea there is is really good. So I think those are, are legit ideas. Yeah, I'm just thinking my perspective is unusual because I also get a lot of 
pitches because I write for a lot of bridal magazines and newspapers. So I get pitches all the time that are horrible. So I have the perspective of like what not to do. I have the perspective of how I get PR. And I also have the perspective of the freelance writer. So I never thought about it at all. Coming at it from those three directions makes my knowledge very valuable in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, I don't know if this is a, a, a good business idea, but I really like the, I, I'm sure, you know, people are very nervous when they speak. And yeah. so you're a professional speaker. So I'm sure you still get nervous when you speak, but not as much as when you first did it. Yep. And for many maids of honor or um, best men, you know, when they have to give a speech at a wedding, they are terrified. A, they can't write the speech because they're not funny or they don't know how. And B, when they actually have to give the speech, they're just a wreck, like they can't do it. And so, yeah. you know, the the maid of honor speech writing or or even a uh, a video, or I don't know, there's, there's something there with writing a speech as a maid of honor. Like what are the components yeah. of a great maid of honor speech? Like it's gotta, you know, have memories, it's gotta have humor, it's gotta have the arc of the hero a little bit. And it's yeah. gotta be self-deprecating or or at least insulting the 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 bride or the groom a little bit. Um uh, yeah. So this is my like sl my sleeper package that so many people buy, but I never advertise is that I on my website I offer maid of honor speech writing. So I will sit down and write your speech. I probably do that four to five times a month for people. And the number one reason why people hire me is because they're not good public speakers. They don't want to write it. And I sit down and I write it for them. And look, that's not scalable having me do that. And I keep thinking about selling some sort of, of template because what's out there when you Google is horrible and generic. I, I love I that. Was, I love a template and I love a, a course for that, but a template might even be better because you could, you could have like 10 different templates and yeah. you could have, um, you could have a website with all the testimonials, like, oh my gosh, I used template number three or whatever you call it, like name them, you know, nice bridalish names. And yep. you could have all these great te uh, testimonials. Of course, people are going to want to pay even $50 just to see the templates. And yep. you just need, uh, you know, a couple hundred of those. And that's a good, you know, multiple stream of income. So a couple hundred yeah. dollars a year. Uh, I like it because I could do it in like a Mad Libs format where it's like, okay, for like a funny one, here's the joke, insert that detail to make the joke work. You know, there's so many, it, making a speech, if you do it right, is so easy that it's almost like fill in the blank kind of thing. And that's what I really do when I get paid to do it for people. Yeah. And, and it could be the case that like when, when it sounds like a template, people think, oh my gosh, people, everybody's going to be doing the same speech, but that's not true because you fill in the blanks, uh, everybody could have completely different stories and memories yeah. and negative things to say and self like, oh, this is when she helped me. And that's a whole story. And here's how you tell a story. Like what's, what was the critical, what was the most emotional moment? And, and that's how the, this paragraph starts off, you know, in when this, when the bride helped the bridesmaid and you know, how did it start? What was the, you know, you get back to the critical moment and then here's how my friend, the bride solved the problem. Like, there's all these things that are, you know, it's it's almost like you're explaining story writing, but yep. in the context of a maid of honor speech and, or even a, a, a best man speech as well. And yeah. uh, I like that as a template. So, so there's, what have we talked about so far? Wedding social media, maid of honor speech. Uh, PR. 
Oh, PR, PR. firm, firm course. Uh, you don't want to do yeah. a, a PR firm, but a PR course for wedding yep. planners. I like that a lot. And all these things are kind of easy to try and set up. I was looking at your current courses and yes. they're all good and interesting. Like, but I feel like other people do all many of these, like the personal branding course. I feel like I've seen that in a lot of places become a stronger public speaker is good, but I think I've seen that course in a lot of places, not yeah, yours yeah. specifically, but that type of course. But if it's it's very specific to weddings and the maid of honor speech, then I think, you know, even though it's very niche, you only need like a thousand people paying $149 and that's a good stream of income. Uh, and, and particularly then you do it as a course and then as a template, then, then it's unbelievable. What I was even thinking for the template is to almost tier it. You get one option is template. Second option is use, use the template, send it to us. We edit it for you. And then option three, which is the upsell is you get one-on-one -on -one time with me to help you with the public speaking or the writing or whatever it is. Now there's three price points. Do you think that's a good route or just stick to the template? Uh, it's good to have an upsell. And, but when you, when the upsell involves your time, then you have to wonder about the scalability. So yeah. unless it's like a huge amount, like $30,000, but they're not going to want to do that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, cause then if it's just like a hundred dollars and they have an hour with you, then it's not, that's not gonna, it's not going to be a real, real valid source of income, but it is yeah. worth thinking about what is the upsell from that. But let, let's yeah. let's uh, let's think about that for a second. Like, there are things related to you've now seen many marriages begin, right? Like, how many how many weddings have you been a maid of honor at? I mean, we've worked over 150 in the past six years, almost seven years. And how many of those would you say you keep in mild touch with? Like, you just keep track of like how they're doing and so on. I would say less than a third. Okay. So 50, but 50 where you were like really intimately involved, like you were their maid of honor, like you were yeah, at their wedding. Yeah. You, they, they feel an emotional attachment to you, uh, because of the day, because it's emotional. It's their wedding. It's, it's for many people, they consider it the most important day of their lives. And with good reason, yeah. they're, you know, picking their spouse and the father of their children and all these things. So how many, how many of the marriages do you think have problems or, or end you know, I, I think it's hard to know problem wise. I don't, I, I think, you know, of the people I sort of see on social media and I followed up with I, along the years, I would say maybe of the 50, I've seen 15 that I know of end, but again, I'm sure there's more or who really knows. Um, so, so, you know, some of them end problems, who knows people don't always post the problems. So obviously on social media, so I don't know. And I've never done a good job of really keeping in touch with them almost to make sure that I have boundaries in the job, because if not, my whole life is my fake life of being a fake friend to these people, you know, so I've had sure. to almost have a bit of boundaries. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, you know, just, just, and this is like, this might not be a good idea. I'm just throwing it out there because we're, we're just brainstorming. It's just idea yeah. listing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, one time, and this is like a really long time ago, but one time I was going out with somebody, I was single, I was going out with somebody who cheated on me, but then she wanted to stay together with me. And I was really upset, of course, about this, but I ended up staying together with her, but it was just too difficult for me. And ultimately we, we ended it. And, but during that time, I actually subscribed to an online newsletter, like some email newsletter. There wasn't like newsletters like how they are today. It was just some email newsletter. But I paid like a good amount of money 
for a year. Like I signed up for a year in advance and it was just basically how to survive when someone cheats on you. Like, and <laughs> I paid for that. Like, and I'm assuming, and this guy was charging good money. I can't remember now what he was charging, but he was charging a good amount of money and I was paying and he must have had other people paying for it. And even though it didn't even matter a few weeks later, but I still kept reading the newsletter and it was, it was interesting to read even. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I, yeah, I like that. I wonder if there's some things like that. Like, well, I remember, yeah, because you, you had me make a list of some of the things I could upsell past clients on. And I thought about a newsletter because I don't know of anybody who hits you up that first year of marriage. Like there's, I don't know of anybody who has a profession or service for that first year of marriage. And that's when a lot of couples suffer. So I was thinking of a couple ideas, like a newsletter for how to get through the first year of marriage, maybe bringing in some experts like marriage counselors or whatever, but making that a paid product for a lot of past clients, but also people who, because a lot of people after they get married and they find out about me, they're like, I wish I had someone like you. So this could maybe be a product to upsell to these people who their first year of marriage, you have no idea what to do. Also, after you get married, there's a huge spike in depression because you've got nothing to look forward to. And that's a huge yeah. thing that people say after they get married. I don't know of anybody who is selling anything to that audience. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, Good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, If you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. 
ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I remember talking to Kevin O'Leary, you know, he's Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank. And he was telling me he did quote unquote due diligence on his wife for three years before he got married to her. And that's like financial due diligence. He wanted to make sure he was marrying someone who was financially compatible with him. Not meaning that she had the same amount of money as him, but meaning that she thought about money in the same way. Like people, there's a whole spectrum of ways people think about money And, and men and women often think about money very differently you know, for better or for worse. And, and there's good reasons for, for all this, like biological reasons, evolutionary reasons, and, and so and just in general, financial reasons. You know, it, it strikes me that three years is a lot of time to do due diligence on your spouse. And I would, I would guess most people don't do that or don't view it as due diligence, don't do it properly. And so what happens is then the first year, there's a lot of problems. Like, like you say, let's let's make a list right now. So what are the problems that people have in the first year of marriage? Depression is one. Depression, finances, because they have no idea how to merge their finances or what to do. They never have those conversations. The pressure of everyone in your life talking about kids and having kids. They might not have had a conversation about where they stand on that. Religion. I have friends, I know people who've gotten married with different religions, never talked about what they were going to do. Um, so religion is another one. I think overall, just the relationship, you know, after you get engaged, there's such a high and now you've come low and it's not depression. It's almost like what's next for you and I in this relationship. Yeah. It's like, Um, it's like, I think about like the stock market, like sometimes the stock goes straight up for months at a time, but then once it starts stabilizing and going up some days, going down some days, going up some days, people freak out sometimes. Like it's very stressful. It's that stressful. I also think like expectations maybe in the relationship of like, sometimes those change. I've heard of people who once they get married, one of the one person changes the expectations of the other. So that can really throw off a relationship. Also like, people like get- what, How do expectations change? You know, sometimes people are like, well, I'm going to get married and then I'm going to stop working, but they've never communicated that. So then they oh, get yeah. married. That yeah. happened to me. I got <laughs> married and after, and then I, and I was an entrepreneur. So I got married, I left- my, I had left my job. I had a full-time job and a business at the same time. I left my full-time job to focus on my business. And then the person I was with basically quit her job and said, okay, we're, we're married now. And like that, that was never a conversation. Like I came home one day and she had quit her job. So expectations. And I think another thing is people make a move. So they move, maybe they buy a house somewhere, but there's definitely an element of, of moving that can be something that's bad. Yeah. Um, Like real estate's a big issue. A lot of, 
a lot of people might be at different points in their life where one person wants to buy a house but doesn't have the money. Another person has the money but doesn't want to buy a house because they're not sure where they live. Or, or one person wants an apartment. One person wants to live in the country. You know, yeah. there's lots of things that that come up about real estate after marriage because there's almost no need to talk about it before you get married. You don't even know you need to talk about it, and you kind of right. people just assume that the other person feels the same way. So I think real estate's a big issue and ha on how to talk about it and what all the options are. Like, there's more than just how do you talk about real estate. There's like, here are all the possibilities, and and yep. you know you have to respect each other's whether it's a financial thing or. Do you like city living? Do you like country living? Like what, what kind of, uh, you know, some people want to, what's, what's your number? Some people want to retire at a different point and write their, the great American novel. Other people, you know, either want to keep working or want their spouse to keep working, to keep, you know, pulling in, the, pulling their weight. And, you know, these, this is, you know, career is a big issue too. That I think people, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think people do probably talk about it like religion and kids people probably at least have a conversation. Oh, what well, would you like to have kids at some point? Yeah, sure. I'll have kids at some point, but they also might've been lying because <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. they don't want to derail the relationship. And before they get married, they're not having kids anyway. So they could say anything they want potentially. I'm well, just I was going to say, I think truth is one of them. I think the truth comes out for some people after they get married, because you know, the truth of how maybe they really feel about the person or that just a lot of truths come out, I think. And I think, you know, that's really scary too. I think, I think there's a lot of things that go on that first year. And a lot of that's caused by things they ignored during the engagement. You know, when Adam and I got engaged, I also tried to do my due diligence. i we met with a divorce lawyer. I said, tell me everything you know about a prenup. We met with a marriage counselor. I said, what should we know that might change? We met with a financial person. I wanted wow. to make sure that we were, we were signing that legal document and we had all of those tough conversations. I, Look, I mean, I'm in an industry where I've seen a lot. So when I chose the person I was going to marry, I put him through all of these situations. Yeah. I, wow. I wish I had done all of that at different <laughs> points. I think I didn't want to do it because I was afraid the marriage counselor would secretly say to the woman, listen, you could do better than this. <laughs> Just don't rush into anything. This person's a little insane. So I was scared uh, of that too. I was scared too. <laughs> so, so like... But, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes I think what are, what are other issues? Like maybe uh, an issue might be their friends or like, like maybe their best friends with their ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend. That might be an issue. Like what kind yeah. of friendships and like, who are they going to spend time with and how are they going to spend time together now? Um, yeah. You also said it like sort of life planning about, are you on the same page about retirement or even how you want to spend your time? You know, those are, those are conversations that get real. Should we, you know, even like, should we buy life insurance? I mean, these are like unattractive conversations that start to come to a head during that first year of marriage. Yeah. To life insurance taxes or a will. Together. Yeah. Writing a will. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's also like, there's a prenup, but then there's also a postnup that some people get, and maybe that's not the right term for it, but no, some it people is. sit down after they're married. Yeah. And they think, wow, I never considered the fact that all of our assets are now blended. So there's conversations around that or one person's about to sell their business or something like that. And then they have to have those awkward conversations. Yeah. Or maybe someone's setting up a business and, and is their husband or wife an owner or are they 50, 50 owners? Like, how does that work yep. out? So like yep. that's related to the post up thing, but it's like in between, you know, it's like a business partnership agreement as well as a post up agreement in a weird way. So I think like, like if you compare, 
this to so let's let's see uh let me find your page for this craft a memorable elevator pitch i like that but again i feel like i've seen that no. you know yeah. but if 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 you're talking about a course like you know or a bunch of courses i don't know yet if this is one course or a bunch of courses but like a course called the you know the first year of marriage solve the 999 problems or solve the 1001 problems that come up in the first year of marriage and that's like an, an a weekly online newsletter that's yeah. you know you're talking to people about depression finances religion uh kids mm -hmm. you know every yeah. week and you you talk to experts so this way you could have multiple issues about kids because you're talking to different experts at different times like you it's not just you you're like really doing the work that no one else is doing to put together a good quality newsletter you get a thousand people paying fifty dollars a month and that's six hundred thousand a year yeah so i am so excited about this idea because a i'm living through it so i have that perspective and b i really don't think there's a lot of touch points other than maybe generic books about this topic for people right just totally generic books like just someone yeah. like Kevin O'Leary, who's a very smart guy, just someone like him talking about his own marriage and relationship and how he did due diligence. That's very particular to him. We know with him, he's very concerned about money and he's very conservative about money. So that was his issue. He's probably not saying, talking to his wife, uh, his girlfriend about, hey, you know, how many times a week do you think we'll be having sex or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is yeah. people talk about. So, so like all these, and then not only, and, and here's the thing, you also know so many people in the wedding industry, like wedding planners could, could be an affiliate for you. Just like they're just like they take 20% off the top when they book a catering hall, they, they could take 20 or 30% throwing a, a, a client to you. And there's all sorts of newsletter companies that take into account, uh, you know, how to, how to track affiliates and all that kind of stuff. Like Jay, what are what are some companies that that tr keep track of uh, affiliates? Do we know? Uh, not really, because usually they are the one that send over, and they usually have their own uh, software. Yeah, I mean, look in here. I'm talking as someone who has had over 150 million in revenues from selling newsletters, and I don't know. I think we use homegrown software, yeah, but I have no you idea. Guys use, I know that use homegrown software. Yeah, but there's other companies that it's just off the shelf. I forget what they're called though. Um, and I wonder if Substack tracks that kind of stuff, um, or ghost, these are two newsletter companies, but I, I think again, some of these even just could be niche newsletters, like how to deal with depression in your first year of marriage or, or personal finance for the first year of marriage. And yeah. there's a, that, that's an infinitely long topic. Like that's why people <laughs> like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman spend 30 years making a career out of just that. Uh, so again, I don't know if this is like, um, you know, a, a, a newsletter that covers all these topics. Maybe it could be, you see how it starts off and then you kind of upsell a higher end one about finances, or maybe you recommend, let's say you're doing a, a newsletter about, uh, let's say you're doing this broad general newsletter and then you, and then you do one about finance. Like, look, I'm not a stockbroker or anything, nor am I a personal finance advisor. I'm just telling you what I see from hundreds of stories about weddings and the first year of marriage and all the research I've done talking to financial professionals. But now here's five newsletters I recommend. One's about stocks and investments. The other's about personal finance. The other one's about real estate, blah, blah, blah. And then you have a deal with those newsletter writers. So you get 70% of their first year's earnings 
of all the people. And like, if they sell their newsletter for a thousand dollars and you send a thousand people over to those, you know, overall per year, that's another 700,000. So, and that's not impossible. That's like how a lot of these multi-million dollar newsletter businesses start. Yeah. And, you know, I think it also could be a good gift that people could give people, you know, for like their first year of marriage kind of thing, that kind of newsletter. But do you see it more as a newsletter than a course? I see, I see this as a newsletter because it's an ongoing relationship with, uh, you know, with the, the people who sign up and, you know, the other question is, do I see it as free or charge? Because I'll tell you one anecdote, which, um, so I have several tiers of newsletters. Like if I'm going to do, for instance, a, a newsletter about stocks, well, I have people working for me and it costs money to advertise. So I have to charge a lot of money for that. But I also have a free newsletter that just has what I always like to write and I send it out for free. And that has, you know, hundreds of hundreds of thousands, maybe a million people who, who get that. And, uh, I, I make just from that free newsletter, I make millions and millions of dollars in revenues. Uh, because if I write about, oh, here's something about artificial intelligence now, and here's, uh, you know, here's what I know about artificial intelligence, but here, here's five newsletter companies that specialize on stocks that focus on AI. And so I'm sending people over and I have an affiliate relationship with those. And that generates money every single time I send out one of those newsletters where I'm recommending other newsletters. Yeah. And that's a free newsletter that I put out. Like there's no, a lot of that goes to the bottom line because I don't have to hire as many people for a free newsletter. The only the people I have to hire is someone who sets up affiliate relationships for me. But, you know, and I have to approve all the, you know, relationships and so on. But that, that can be very lucrative. So it's just something to think about, whether it's a course or a newsletter, whether it's whether some of these or, or it's both like maybe you have a newsletter um, that talks about all these things, but you also have a course on post-nup versus pre-nup. We're going to do a course. And so you can write an article about it, like which tells stories and maybe has some anecdotes from other people in the industry. But then you say, look, to really find out, here's a template for a post-nup that's been worked over by five different lawyers. Here's a template for a pre-nup, but that's you know, that's the golden, the holy grail here. So that costs $79 or to have access mm. to that. So, you know, you can combine newsletter and course or, or access to kind of premium material. I really like this idea. I think there's something big to it. Yeah. So then, then given that I would think this ne over this next week or so, think about starting it. So, so there's kind of the newsletter or topics ideas here. I'll, I'm going to cut and paste into the chat what we talked about with the different topics. And again, these could be newsletter topics or course topics or both. I think that's probably better than helping wedding planners do their social media and the maid of honor speech and the course about PR, but keep those in mind too. But th those are ideas focused on the wedding industry. But now these other things are ideas focused on people who just got married and you, you know, so many people in the wedding industry, not to mention you've professionally worked on 150 weddings between you and all, and your network, you know more about all these issues than anyone else. Or if you don't know something, you, you know where, who you could call to find out. Like for instance, I don't know everything about restaurants. I don't know anything about restaurants, but I could call, I have enough people I can call every week that I could put together a newsletter about restaurants 
just from talking to people I know who own restaurants or who are general managers of restaurants and so on, including, you know, one person who's part of this same series that you're part of. I think why it interests me the most is that I don't love weddings. I don't care about the wedding industry. I love people and I've always loved people. And I think this is another interesting way to help people that's sort of in my lane. And I, that's why I'm more passionate about this than really any other, you know, working with a wedding planner, things like that. This to me is helping people. And that's passion of mine. Yeah. And the first year of marriage, obviously you're passionate about it. You're going through it. Yeah. So like, and, yeah. and you've helped so many other people launch their first year of marriage. So yeah. I think this is one thing to think about. And then let's make a list of the next set of lists on, on this one. Yeah. So um, we already did the list on kind of topics, but um, there's sort of like an execution list, which is how do you start this? Well, you have to find, um, well, you, you have to find a company. I'll, I'll just write these down. You have to find a company that does newsletters um, yep. that you like. And there's there's many. There's every ranging from Substack to MailChimp to Ghost mm -hmm. to AWeber. Some of them are more technical than others. Like, uh, MailChimp, I think, is a bit technical, but Substack, within three minutes, you could set up a four-pay newsletter. And there's, you know, there's reasons, there's pros and cons uh, uh, to both. Then, yep. um, you know, pick a company to do online courses. And maybe an online course is just premium material. Or you could look at uh, Patreon uh, that, you know, you have your list, but hey, if people want the premium material, they have to go to your Patreon to get the premium material. And Patreon yeah. is a website, you know, where people pay more to access premium material of podcasters or writers or whatever. You know, then you have to think about marketing. Uh, so how would you market something like this? Well, it could be through the wedding industry itself, like other wedding planners or other people who do PR in the wedding industry or anything. You know, the other thing is you could yeah. do uh, something like Facebook ads. And, and that seems like, oh my gosh, ads, I don't want to spend like $10 million dollars. No, you can just set up a budget of $20 and run an ad and see if it gets more than a 3% click-through rate. If it does, yep. you do it for $40 and see if the click-through rate continues and see if you're actually converting. Did you get, you know, out of, out of 100 people that you that click through, maybe two or three, at every level, it's like 2 to 10%. 10% is a home run, 2% is industry standard. So if you run an ad and 2% click or 1% click, that's not so bad. Then out of the people who click, if 2% or 3% of those actually buy the newsletter or the course or your services or whatever, that's usually a, a home run, depending on how expensive the item is. Because once you have a person who bought something from you, they'll buy more from you if you do a good job. So, oh, now you're going to do a course on real estate. Or let's say you're going to um, call someone like Dean Graziosi, who does a course on real estate with Tony Robbins, and they do a, they put together a really nice affiliate deal for people. Well, you can interview Dean Graziosi for uh, 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 your your newsletter that week on real estate for the first, you know, the couple who's only been married one year, and then you could upsell his course and get an affiliate deal. The other thing is, you know, let's say you're trying to figure out what topics to do courses on. You could do Facebook ads for uh, that advertise and focus on different topics. And you could see which topics are the ones that resonate the most with people just by what they click on. Now they can click to nothing. You're just interested there to see what people actually click on. So, and then what people click on the most, that's where you focus your course or newsletter. 
So I remember you did that with, with book names. And I think I might try that with names for, for this to see yeah. what would get people to click. Yeah. Yeah. You could test titles, price points, ideas to focus on, you know, what's other ways to market? Well, whenever you give a talk, you could of course mention your newsletter, but I think these are like the main, the main ways. And then, and then, you know, what's great too. I forget. And maybe we talked about this. Do you use Quora at all? I've, I've used it as a reader, but never as a commenter. Well, you should be, you should answer questions about weddings on Quora. And then in your profile, you should say, you know, check out my newsletter on all the problems people in a first year marriage have, or, you know, worried it better than that. And you will get, you'll get customers from that. I know people who have made a living off of being a good answer person on yeah. Quora. So, uh, uh, what's another way to market? Of course, well, I know that there's, there's, yeah, there's tons of wedding podcasts that I've been on a lot that I have great relationships with. And those are the ideal target audience is to go back on those podcasts and talk about this. Yeah. So that's huge. And right, right, right. And, now, and here's another thing too. I would put together almost a self-published book called the first year and, yeah. you know, pro and, and, you know, it could be. The thing is there's infinite amount of content. Like there's infinite amount of content just about real estate for the first year married couple. So you could just have like the basics, make a 50 page book and publish it on Amazon or give it to wedding planners so that they could sell your newsletter product. You know, why yeah. wouldn't they? They get money for free. They don't have to do any work. You're doing all the work. You have to actually write the newsletter, which is hard. A Google search, there's, there's you know, a first year podcast, a first year book. And that's not a reason not to do this, but I, I'm wondering how I could make this unique, how I could make this different. And I'll research what's out there, of course, but I wonder what I'm bringing to make this unique. That's a good question. So the first question to answer is, um, yeah, I see this one, First Year Married on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the podcast where we get real about building the marriage of your dreams. And it's from a quote unquote marriage coach, which means nothing. Mm. I mean, you've dealt yeah. <laughs> with more marriages probably than this person for all we know. And um, this, I think this also, actually this one looks like it's for, for Orthodox people, Orthodox Jews. Yeah. So I, I that's what that. makes sense. And I'm them. also not, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to build a dream marriage. I'm, I want to be the real honest truth sayer about the first year of marriage. You know, I don't want to say I'm guaranteeing a dream, anything. Yeah. I mean, this gets very specific on the needs of Orthodox women. So it's very, that's how they stand out. And they've got 140 reviews. So people are listening to this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I think there's so many different interesting issues. Like, what do you do if one person in the marriage went to Harvard and the other one didn't go to college? Before they get married, that's not an issue. But after they do, that might be an issue. You know, there's so what many- What about politics? Politics yeah, is a huge politics? one. I know couples that one's a Democrat, the other's a Republican, and they just- don't talk politics, but imagine if they did, there'd be a lot of arguing. Um, yep. So, and you know, not only that, you have also your your own email list, uh, plus your own list of people who subscribe to your other courses, yep. uh, which you can market to. And you could say, look, that was a great course you took, or, or but this is the most important project of my life. This is, this is the project I was made for. And if you're going through any of this and you kind of list all the problems, then here, here's what other people have to say about my newsletter um, and you have testimonials. And then here's what, you know, Barack Obama says about my advice on marriage and you have authority. And, you know, here's a free 
um, here's something for free that you could use. So that now you have reciprocity, all these things that are in Robert Cialdini's book, uh, influence, which I think is a valuable, uh, book to, to read, or at least, or at least understand the table of contents of, cause the table of contents lists all his, uh, influence techniques. But, uh, so I think there's execution, there's marketing, and you already have a lot of these ideas. So I think this is a good thing to start. And the question is, how do you start it? Well, I would, I would go to your email list and say, listen, I'm going to start this in beta. Whoever are the first 100 people to sign up, uh, get it for free. After that, it's going to cost. And then, you know, and then after a, a month or two, you should send out a newsletter per week after a month or two, uh, get testimonials. And now you could start marketing this, or even before then you could start marketing this. I think this is one where you can execute right away. And each newsletter, by the way, doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be like 20 pages of research. It could be, you know, here's what Jack and Jill are having a problem with. Here's my first thoughts on this. I talked to one other professional and I read some other articles about this or, you know, or, or here's some other resources that I looked at and here's the different ways people solve the problem. And that's a newsletter episode. Yeah. Uh, just as long as there's an interesting story with that and a semi-interesting, you know, solution, then you have a good newsletter issue. Should I make it nonfiction in the sense of taking all these topics we talked about and maybe pulling in real life stories that I've experienced? Or do you think I should keep it maybe not even just about me, but about people in general? Both. Definitely stories. That, I mean, stories that include you will be great, but there's only so many stories that you personally have. But then, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of places you could read all about different stories, different problems people have. Like if I Google um, problems in the first, in, in early marriage, problems in early marriage. Well, by the way, when I typed in problems in early marriage came up. Um, That's and a good sign. Yeah, there's 336 million results. So you're not going to run out of stories. Yeah. You're not going to run out of, like, you know, of course, some of these are, don't apply, like seven reasons child marriage is horrible for girls. Yeah. That's, uh, oh, you know, actually this is what, that might be early marriage, what early marriage means. Let's see. That's, that's my Google search too. I'm wondering, yeah, maybe first year of marriage. Yeah, first year of marriage. Okay, even better, 583 million results. Uh, you know, here are some mistakes couples are likely to, likely to make. They stop dating each other. They forget to check in with their partner if they're staying out mm -hmm. late. All of these are newsletter topics. There's so many things. And they didn't, when... There's all, there's a lot of nine problems. Every couple faces during the first year of marriage, seven real reasons why the first year of marriage can be tough. None of these people are thinking to themselves, boy, how is my article going to be unique? Right. But by the way, I think that's a problem. Like, I think it's good that you're thinking that way because you can make it unique. You just have to think about it. Um, do you see. think that means I stop doing, like not stop doing, but should I just be on autopilot with everything else I'm doing with Bridesmaid for Hire, with all my Jen Glantz stuff and add this as an, as an extra thing? It depends. Like, I think you should, you should try this and see how it works. Okay. And then, and you're going to have to tweak too. Like what's the right price point? What are the, is this a, a newsletter? Is this a course? Is this two newsletters? Is this five courses? But I mean, here's something what are the risks in the first two years? What are the risks just statistically? What are the risks in the three to four year period? What's the risk in the five to eight year period, which is the highest risk period. Cause that's the seven year itch. Uh, mm. and so 
there's a lot of resources out there. And even just curating these resources is, you know, at the end of each issue of the newsletter, you could have like three articles you read this week about marriage that you think other people should read. There's infinite content. Yeah. Even like, yeah. you know, here's 138, 131 unique baby girl names. Yeah. That's, that's an issue that could come up in the first year of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's not going to be a shortage of themes of these newsletters for sure. Because even just looking at some of these lists, I didn't even think about some of these problems. Yeah. And, and there's going to be plenty of stories online. And again, you will have your own unique spin on it because yeah. you'll talk to, you have your experience, you know, thousands of people in the wedding industry, and you'll also be able to talk to experts and the yeah. experts will be happy to talk to you because it's publicity for them. If you're talking yeah. to a divorce lawyer, that's publicity for the divorce lawyer. He's not, he's not giving you free services. He's just telling you how he would approach a problem and how people should think about a problem. And then who are they going to hire when they get a divorce? The divorce lawyer you spoke to, or when they're working on a prenup or a postnup, like why should people consider a postnup when they've already gotten married? Like nobody even thinks about that. And here's the reasons why someone might think about a postnup and here's resources, or here's how to find the right postnup lawyer for you. Or here's yeah. where you could go to LegalZoom and they have templates for postnups, you know, or you could just have a template for a postnup, you know, qualifying that you're not a lawyer and saying it was that you got the stamp of approval of a lawyer. Yeah, I really like this idea. I want to run with it. I want to, I want to do a lot of work on it because I really, I find excitement in it. Yeah, that's good. I think, I think it has to kind of like ring true to your heart yeah. because you've been doing the bridesmaid for hire for six years that's a good time to get tired of doing something yeah. <laughs> and you still do it for, for money, but this is something that might scale really once, once fire is lit under it, it's something that could scale really fast. I mean, my yeah. first year, uh, my first month of selling newsletters, I sold, uh, uh, $1.8 million worth of newsletters in the first month. Now it's because I had a big email list and that helped. Uh, and you know, also I think, investing material, which, which I don't, I don't like to write about investing for, for free because I, I kind of moved from that since 2010, but you know, that's something that people are willing to pay for. But I think with this kind of stuff, I know for a fact people are willing to pay for it because I paid for something like that, not in a marriage situation, but in another relationship type situation. Yeah. And I think there's multiple ways to make income from it. There's the subscription, there's affiliate, there's even just like, you know, sponsored products, even maybe there's so many different, and I'm going to make a list of the different ways, but I do think there's a lot of different revenue streams from a newsletter like this. Yeah. Uh, and there's also upselling courses or higher end yep. newsletters. Uh, and, and, you know, you can also build like, let's say, let's say wedding planners are, you know, let's say you're an affiliate for some people, but other people are an affiliate for you. So a wedding yep. planner might get 70% of your first year revenues if they sell one of their new, your newsletters to somebody they're working with who's getting married. Well, now you have a relationship with that wedding planner that's even deeper. You could say, let me see your social media. And that could potentially be, if you went down that route as well, a client for your wedding social media business. And by yeah. the way, you don't have to do it. Someone could learn from you Mm -hmm. Maybe you sell a course, how to do social media in the online, you know, in the wedding business, uh, if you're in the wedding industry and you hire, well, as you get clients, you just hire people to, 
to do it, but they have to take your course also to, to do it. And then, you know, you just outsource people to, to, to do the, the Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts for your clients. Yeah. I, I think there's a huge need for something like that, whether I'm the person who does it or someone else does it. I think there's a huge need for good courses or a good person who knows what they're doing in the wedding industry to disrupt the marketing. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, you, it seems like you, you, you like pets. I didn't know that you have a, you have a couple of things on your idea list about dogs. Yeah. My husband and I, he wanted to start a business in the dog industry. And then when we got a dog in the pandemic, we think about constantly the problems and who's solving them. So we were always thinking about maybe an idea in the dog world. Yeah. So, uh, I, and that's also another thing, by the way, couples need to talk about, but usually don't like, I would say something like, of course I love dogs and then I get married and somebody wants to buy a dog and I'm like, Oh, I hate dogs. So or what kind of dog? I mean, there's yeah. so many bites and conversations that happen around that. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, you know, let's talk about just real quickly some of your other lists here. You know, to some extent when you sell a newsletter, you're a little bit of a brand. Not yeah. as much as where, where it takes your time. You know, you'll be able to sell a good newsletter business with good a good number of... Um, uh, subscribers is a business you could sell because that's recurring profits and revenue and the profits, there's no additional cost to adding a new subscriber. So it's okay for that. If you're a little bit of a brand like Dave Ramsey, who does newsletters about finance, he's a brand, but his business has value. Uh, and he hires people also who write articles for him and, and, you know, that's how he gets more equity. So uh, a lot of that, the, that a lot of this removes, you could still be a brand, but it removes some of the risk. And, but you also mentioned that you're worried, potentially a worry, a risk is you expose too much of your personal life. I think people appreciate, I think the more you expose, the more money you make. Yeah. And I always say vulnerability buys freedom. And so the more vulnerable you are, the more people want to, know what's going on with you and we'll, we'll pay to, to get the advice that you share when you're exposing problems that you have. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that. And I think, you know, I've been, I've been writing about my personal life since 2010. So people know me and of course there's things I hold back on, you know, but yeah, you don't have to reveal everything. Right. Right. I, I think I reveal about 75% of my yeah. life. I'm, I'm like that as well. And yeah. people think, you know, people don't really know what you're not revealing, but that's okay. Right. Uh, you know, you're revealing the stuff you think is important anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then I think, and I think starting on this will lead to other ideas. Like, let's say, uh, you know, it, it, again, let's say you're writing all of stuff about, you know, what are the, what are the 10 conversations that people should have about real estate and what are some of the problems people have about real estate in their first year? And what are some of the solutions? And sometimes people don't even know what a real estate transaction is like. Like, oh, you're buying your first apartment together? Well, here's how much money you're going to need to make if you want to put 20% down and get an 80% loan for a $100,000 apartment. Yeah. And here's the process of, well, there's an appraisal and there's, you know, they're going to check your income and three years of taxes and they're going to talk to your prior landlords. And, you know, so all these, this is how it happens. But these are also conversations like, what's your landlord going to say about you? What's your landlord going to say about you? Do you, what's your credit score? 
you know, they're going to, you know, what's the background check going to show up from the lender or from the, the, the seller of the apartment. So, so, you know, and then, and then of course, oh, to find out more about real estate and even, you know, make a career from it. Here's my friend's course about, uh, flipping apartments, even in your first year of marriage. And here's somebody I know who did it. And here's his testimonial and boom, you could, you, you make money in two ways from that one newsletter. This, this is a way of thinking that I just have never thought about because I'm always thinking of how I can create, I can create, but I'm never, ever thinking about how I could leverage other people like this. Yeah. I, I, it, it was, um, stunning to me. There was one year where my own newsletters were kind of breaking even Yep. and, and then I found out, but then I'm like, well, how, what we're making a profit, how are we making a profit? which show, which me asking that question shows you how involved I get in my own business. Like I didn't really know the answer. And it turned out from my free newsletter this one year, I think it was like 2017 um, or 2019 uh, where all the profits came from the revenues generated by selling other people's newsletters on my free newsletter. So uh, I think that's, I, I, it's, a, it's a very interesting business. And unfortunately there's a lot of scammers and bullshitters in the business. Like anytime you see somebody say, you know, driving in a Rolls Royce saying, here's how I made $20 million by the time I was, you know, 33. And now I'm in a private jets with all these girls and blah, blah, blah. Those are all bullshit. Yeah. But there is a lot of value in a lot of newsletters. I subscribe to quite a few newsletters that where I have real value and there, some are related to investing, some are relating to entrepreneurship, some are related to in the past relationships. And I have one, I'm not interested in sports at all, but I, I get a newsletter about sports finance and, uh, it's just, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there and, and people yeah. look for newsletters that they want to buy. It's, it's better than a newspaper right now because traditional media has, has failed everybody this past year. So alternative media, which is what the newsletter business is, is valuable. There's also a factor people say, Oh, well, the ads are so scammy. That's true. The ads are really scammy, but there's a, a great video by, uh, Alain de Baton, who's like this philosopher in France. Yeah. And he says the video is about how even nice guys have to use Machiavellian methods because the bad guys are using Machiavellian methods. And so they're getting the most exposure. So if the nice guys don't use similar methods, they won't get any exposure and they won't sell any newsletters that can actually help people. So there's a balance there somewhere of, you know, what kind of, how aggressive your ads are and so on. Yeah. And I understand that. I respect that. I mean, even in some of the newsletters I subscribe to, they always have that sponsored section. And I, I personally will skip over that, but I do understand and respect that they have that in there. You know, it's how they're making some money off of those free newsletters. So I respect that process. Yeah. So I, I, I do too. And, uh, and, and a lot of people I know have le really great newsletters that provide a lot of value and a lot of newsletters I know could be, could sell more if they were just a little bit more aggressive in their ads and they're yeah. not for various reasons there. I was very afraid to have an aggressive ad when I first started, but you do get 10 X the number of subscribers, which at the end of the day allows you to help more people. And by ad, are you talking about ads in the newsletter or what, it, what, can you just clarify? Like, like, like a YouTube ad or a Facebook ad. Oh, okay. I got like you. Ever, you ever see these YouTube ads, like you're watching a YouTube video and then there's an ad, like some guy in his Rolls Royce getting onto a private plane 
Yeah. And like, you know, my life was shit until I followed these 20 steps to making millions. And now I'm a millionaire. Yes. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. I, I get hit with those all of the time. And I, it, yeah, I, I get what you're saying about them being super scammy, but. So, and some, some of those people are point. scams. Yeah. And yeah. I would say most of those people are scams. But that, but that's an example of an aggressive ad. And, you know, after that, it's, you know, just actually uh, being legit. The word of mouth goes around that you're the legit person and people then buy your newsletter. I think even for this topic, there can be a little bit of emotion played into an ad around the emotion of the first year. Also urgency. I think there's a lot that could be in an ad for a first year marriage newsletter that's head turning and provocative and, and out there. Oh yeah. Just the fact that the divorce rate is rising. The yeah. number of children per couple is going down around the world. Uh, you know, we, we, we just are we're sort of slowly coming out of a pandemic and economic lockdown that have left many families and couples in a state of complete chaos or confusion. There is a lot of urgency. Yeah. So there's urgency. There's ultra specific. This is the first year of marriage. There's user-friendly, you're doing all the work and research and finding out all these things. Mm -hmm. Plus you're linking to other resources and other ways they can get help. There's the there's your uniqueness, like whoever before set up a bridesmaid for hire business and knows as many people, knows the wide variety of people you know in the wedding industry and in the marriage industry and even in the marriage counseling industry. Like you went to a marriage counselor because you knew this was something that you should do before you get married. Yep. And so, so it's unique. Uh, and then there's other use that I always forget. I always forget the list of use. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think this is something to, to focus on for, uh, the, the next week or so. And then we could also play around with other ideas, but, but, you know, and a lot, a lot of times the best ideas for better or for worse are these digital ones, like either a newsletter or a course or whatever. But I think this is, these are almost the fastest ways to build a million dollar business. Not a, not a billion dollar business, but a, yeah. definitely a million dollar business. Yeah. And I think because I've tried so many that have never been successful, I'm interested in the space because I want to learn how to make them successful. So the thought of doing a newsletter that could become something is interesting to me. I mean, I've had a Monday newsletter every Monday for seven years. I've never monetized it. I've never grown it. It's the same thing. So I think I need to stop doing what I'm doing because I'm always doing the same thing and almost break my mold a little bit. That's why I'm I'm glad we're doing something in the space. Yeah, and I think like the fact that you have a 10% open rate, I think we should also figure out, it's almost like another list. What can, what can you do to bring that up to 20%, to double the open rate? And 10% is not bad. That might be close to industry standard, but 20% is great. That's a home run. Yeah. And so- uh, if you have a 20% open rate it, it, by re-engaging, maybe just because you've gotten a little bit, you know, off stream a little bit, uh, but maybe this will reinvigorate and, and you'll re-engage with people and, you know, maybe you can ask people to send you questions. And again, I think also you could, you know, link to your newsletter on your Quora profile. And I would, I would definitely just, just as an experiment, try answering 10 questions on Quora this next week. and. And put for every answer, you've got to put your most insane story that is related to that answer. Because just like with everything else, storytelling is the key. And this is the thing that really separates out the great 
writers, the great newsletter writers, the great course writers, the great speech makers is, is the ability to tell a story. You could tell a story. You've got, had a great book already about your experiences. So you'll be able to, uh, you, and look at some of the questions that I've answered on Quora. You'll see that all of them have stories. And I, I'm, I think something like the fourth or fifth most followed person on Quora, which has millions of users. So I think, uh, let me see. I haven't been to Quora in a while. And you think Quora is better than, than doing it on Reddit? Do it both. Reddit sometimes okay. I think is a lower brow audience, meaning they're more likely to just shit on you and vote you down. Um, whereas Quora is like, people really appreciate people who take the time to answer questions. I feel like Quora is a little bit more of an adult site. Um, yeah. Adult in a good way, not like pornography. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let me see my statistics. I have not answered a question on Quora maybe in six months or more. In the past 30 days, I've had an 200,000 views, 195,000 views on my answers. Oh, you have 282,000 followers. Okay. Yeah. So let me see. Uh, uh, it's funny. I couldn't find it, but you did. Um, so look at my answers and that, and those, I, and I've generated a lot of followers on my regular email list from my Quora answers. So this is a good, a good yeah. method. I'm going to study what you've done because I, I've never, I have a profile. I've never used this. And I think it's definitely a missed opportunity for someone like me who has a very, who has a strong wedding niche of just going in there and, and answering questions. Yeah. So I think, I think this could be, I think this could be great. So let's, let's schedule some, something for um, next week and cool. continue the conversation. I feel excited and fired up. So thank you so much. This Excellent. was everything I needed this week. Thank you. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.